you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Usually, the children's pageant takes a long time, and so I prepared a sermon for a real lengthy Jingle Jam pageant today, and for a lengthy candle lighting thing that we uh, made shorter today, and for a lengthy anthem that was short. So we are going to get out of here before 12 o'clock. Kathy, one time, one. The first time was funny, the second time was hurtful. Not really. I know your heart and your love that comes through in your heckling, so it, it is okay. Um, would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, in the midst of the joy and the delight and the, uh, um, the glory that is uh, the gift you have given us, may we hear afresh from you today a, a word of, um, of this moment, uh, a word uh, for uh, where and who and how you would have us be in this Advent season. We love you and praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been in the epistles for a while now, and in Advent so far, we've been in the, uh, the letter from Paul to the church in Rome, and we've set this up multiple weeks, and it's been nice because I love the book of Romans, and we can set it up easily, and then the lectionary editors switch us to James for the third Sunday of Advent in the year A cycle. So we've done all this work in Romans, and now we have to jump all the way over to James, which might be like the polar opposite of Romans in terms of feel. I'd like to suggest they're entirely complementary, but they feel different. Romans is very uh, theologically grandiose. Here are these grand concepts of uh, forgiveness and salvation, justification and sanctification. And then we flip to James, and he's like, you have to be nice to each other. Uh, you, You need to actually ask people to help you. You need to stop trampling on each other. James is like, okay, theology is great, but theology without ethics is dead. Paul is like, hey, what about the Torah? And James is like, here's the law for today. Go and do this. They're not at odds with each other, but they're often set up that way. We we, we turn to the book of James, and it feels like a book about what we have to do, and often it gets preached as what we have to do to earn God's love. Here are the ways in which you can be good enough. Uh, Here is how you do these things. And and the thing that has come to me later in life that that I wasn't raised in is that this book needs to be read in an entirely different light. James needs to be read in light of what does it look like to live out of God's grace and God's spirit? What are the things that we do because God already loves us and because God has already offered God's stuff up for us and because God is faithful? And so instead of these being things to earn our way into cloudy heaven, these become things we do on earth to live out of the love of God that is already shed abroad in our hearts. It's the difference between I have to do my quiet time so that God is not mad at me, and I can't wait to go to Scripture because God meets me there. If we, if we take James as the things we have to do to earn God's love, we're going to be disappointed every time. 
And uh, if I was going to try to fill this sermon out so it was longer, Kathy, I'd go into lots of examples of uh, the places in James that, that can feel toxic if you read them as things you have to do to earn God's love, but are instead means of grace when you understand them as operating out of the way God has already loved you. But instead, we have two metaphors we've got to unpack. And today's reading, uh, James invites us to consider how we live using two scenarios that are quite foreign to most of us. Who grew up working on a farm? Shucks, there are more of you than I thought. Um, but but there's, a, so there's, there's a few of you who know uh, the reality of farm life, right? I, my first job, I've told you this, was at Little Creek Hog Farms Incorporated in Scuffleton, North Carolina. Uh, it, it was a delightful job that I got to earn so I could buy Ray-Ban sunglasses when Top, Top Gun was out. It was stinky, backbreaking, hard work where you could do exactly what you're supposed to do and things not go correctly. You can feed the pigs. You can give the pigs their shots. You can uh, make sure the water is there and the stalls are clean. You can do all the right things. And sometimes the pigs die. And we also had cows on the field. And sometimes uh, you could do all the right things and take care of them and the cow dies. Uh, there was a farm next door that planted crops. You can do all the right things, and sometimes the corn just doesn't grow. This is not comfortable for somebody who likes to be in control. I like the idea that if you do the things, the things work out right. When I worked on Little Creek Hog Farms Incorporated, 127,000 hogs, it cost 48 cents a pound to raise a hog from birth to slaughter, and they paid 46 cents a pound. So think about that math right there in, in terms of uh, farming and things not working out. I realized that I was not bound for a future in farming uh, after that time at Little Creek Hog Farms Incorporated in Scuffleton, North Carolina. Uh, so I lowered my, uh, my expectations. Dad is an amazing gardener. I should be like him and just have a plot where I can do these things in a more controlled environment, where okra can burst forth to be fried in cornmeal, uh, where cucumbers can be burst forth to be cut up in apple cider vinegar with salt and pepper, uh, and you can just delight in the bountiful summer goodness that is an eastern North Carolina garden, right? Felsh and I get married, and we rent a plot at the Asbury Community Garden, very, uh, very hippy-dippy, it's all organic, no chemicals allowed, we successfully grew every weed possible. <laughs> Not a bite of edible food emerged from that very expensive community garden plot. Other people bringing forth just the most magnificent corn in a community garden plot, just, and we got nothing. But I swear we did what was right. We read the little handouts about how to prepare the soil. We did these things to make sure that these right bugs were there and these things to make sure the wrong bugs were there. We never once brought in a chemical to this organic thing that they told us not to. We did it all right and got nothing. So I had to readjust my expectations again. We have become uh, uh, potted plant people on our front porch. We're getting okay at being potted plant people. The moms made it like two months this year. They were lovely. Um, I think part of that is Barry Prince bought them and brought them to our house. Um, they, they survived. 
Uh, we decided to, to be fancy this year and plant herbs in our pots. Oh, Kathy's got that look. See, I thought this was a no-brainer. Herbs, like, can gr like, they blow into the flower beds and grow, right? Not my herbs. I planted two already established rosemary, they're not bushes, but rosemary things in the same pot. Like the direction said to, one of them flourished and now looks like the jungle. You could swing from the vines of this rosemary plant and the other one immediately turned jet black and just sits there as a, an ever-present reminder of my inability to bring forth life from a pot. I am sure some of you are magnificent gardeners, but for most of you, agrarian life is not your, your story, right? But you can hear in my story, and those of you who've lived on the farms, and those of you who've tried to raise things, that you can do all the right things with agrarian nature, and it still not turn out the way you expect, right? You can do all the right things, and then sometimes you just have to sit and wait. This is the first image that James paints for what the church needs to do as it waits for Christ's return. James is a bit later, maybe, and, and, and is confronting the reality that Jesus has not come back. The early church expects Jesus any day. They think that they're going to live and see Jesus come back, but they're beginning to get a little worried. we got to keep being nice to each other because this thing's going on longer, right? There's a certain length of time. You can just be nice and fake it, but at some point, uh, you got to like actually lean in, right, and, and love each other, and they're going, man, we got to really figure this out. And they're getting it wrong, so this is why every epistle has some degree of, here's how you get it right. And for James, the, the, the metaphor is, you need to figure out how to live together without grumbling. Think like the farmer who waits for the crop. When I first read this, I thought, that's such a beautiful picture, because the, the, the farmer has done everything right, and so he knows the crop is coming, and it knows exactly when it's going to emerge. Except for not every time do you plant do things rise up? So instead, I've been, I've been thinking, what does it mean to, to, to be like the farmer who's waiting for the crop with eager expectation, but also knowing that you're a little bit out of control? That you can do all the right things and the rosemary bush might not live. You might do all the right things, church, uh, and it might still be out of your control. You might do all the right things, you as a person, and your life might be swirling in chaos, and it is not your fault at all. But you sit and wait. I told Felsha last night, I didn't want this to be the sermon. I didn't want this to be the text. I wanted to say, if you do the right things, it's going to work out and the plants are going to grow. They don't always grow, do they? And so the question becomes, how do you sit as a farmer knowing that the plants might not grow? that what you long for and desire might not happen, that uh, if you do everything right and trust in God, things still might not look the way that you want them to look. And so I sat with that mess for a little while, and then Felsha said, oh, but there's a second thing in there, Chad. Look at the next part. Be like the prophets. This is, this is the ending exhortation from James. Just be like the prophets. You remember them. The lectionary fools you people. It fools you this week. It stops at verse 10. Verse 11 says, remember the prophets again. Remember the prophets. 
Remember what Job experienced. This is not the prophet I want to hear that I am told to sit in the midst of people and be like. I want to hear the good, beautiful pictures of the the prophets of return, the prophets coming back from exile, the prophets who are seeing good. And instead, James points us to Job and says, go sit in the midst of all this and maybe your life is going to be like Job's right now. Everything might be falling apart. Everything might be terrible. You might have felt like you lost everything even when you have done what is right. It will feel not fair, it will feel unnatural, and it will be bad. Sit in it, even though you're out of control. I really wish he had been like, remember the prophets like Ezra or Zerubbabel. But friends, we've had beautiful things in life for our church, but we've had a lot of Job moments for a lot of our people lately. Um, I am sending out lots of with sympathy emails this year. Um, There are lots of families struggling just to hold together the everyday, ordinary, eating, drinking, sleeping parts of our lives. And and I, I talk to you, and I know you, and you're doing the right things. You're tending the soil. You're watering it well. You're you're following the rules. And it's not okay. I want James to tell us, if you just do everything right, it's going to be okay. But he gives us two things that say, no, you sit in the midst when you're out of control And you wait. Thank God Christmas is coming because Advent puts us in a place where we have to confront the realities that we're not at new creation yet. Advent forces us to sit in this gap between uh, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the birth of the church, and the redemption of the whole creation. Advent is our season because it's a season where we have to confront what it means for us to wait when we know things aren't right. You can be all happy-go-lucky all you want, and we can turn our frowns upside down, but we know the world is not right because sin still remains and evil still happens. Things go as we don't want them to, and sometimes life is just terrible. You can flip on some TV evangelism tell you the the three-way path to everything being healthy, wealthy, and wise, and having no more struggles in your life, but that's not the reality. That's a charlatan telling you something that you want to hear. I wish I could tell you that when you take up the cross of Christ, everything does get perfect. It doesn't. But What James does is he tells the church to sit together. He doesn't say, hey, go sit in your closet and wait for things to get right. It's all plural. You, be patient and wait. You, y'all, if you're from where I'm from, 
English really does need a second person plural pronoun that uh, is more distinguishable uh, than you. Y'all works here, and in some ways he's saying all y'all, and y'all know what that means. Uh, y'all sit together. I'd love to be able to fix everything in your life, and I'd love to be able to fix everything in my life, but what we can do is we can sit together. We can endure together. We can, we can turn to the great and beautiful things. Last week was a, a, a case study in dissonance, and yet it, it resolves together beautifully. To, to, to bury multiple of our people last week and then come to Jingle Jam uh, is the church's story. We celebrate that Christ has died and that Christ is risen, and we look for the time when Christ will come again, and we do it together, whether it's showing up at the visitation line or shooting confetti cannons off the, <laughs> the roof of the sanctuary. Friends, you, you, you've showed up here, you've showed up online, you, you know that the church is important. Be patient. Sit together. The plants aren't growing, or if you feel like Job, sit together. That's all I've got. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks that uh, in the midst of, uh, of unfertile fields, in the midst of Jobian loss, uh, you never leave us. Instead, through your spirit, you knit us together uh, as a body committed to loving one another, to bearing each other up. Lord, as we sit in thanksgiving at your incarnation, Sustain us as we sit and wait for your second coming. Lord, help us be a, a, an Advent people. People who don't try to brush aside uh, the realities of our world, but instead uh, lean into each other and then lean into you. Lord, you know our pain and you receive our prayer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.